Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, welcome to Inexos Access All Areas, episode 51, where we dive deep into this important uh, human community interest story, B, getting this band Inexos uh, more well-known in the world of people who are caught up in hip-hop, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, engage the community and have a laugh and enjoy ourselves at the same time. I like the way I mix this thing up every week. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds different every week, but well done. <laughs> well, look, it just proves to the listeners out there we don't cookie cut the same intro in all the no, week and stuff we like don't. that. So, um, so we do try to keep it fresh. But uh, I'm going to sort of start off, B. How's our in excess week been? Um, I think we had a nice weekend, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> it was really nice. Yep. Really, really good seeing everybody, seeing Carmen and Sarah and Karen coming down mm. and and Dane and Paul Jolie. No, Paul Boozy. <laughs> I was getting yep. those guys mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so we uh, really just coming fresh off the heels of our episode 50, which was our one-year birthday uh, that we held at the Hard Rock Cafe uh, in Sydney. Uh, and it wasn't Houston Station, Mr. Uh, Egan, uh, <laughs> despite what you thought. Uh, we did later do a backdrop and, and almost sounded like Millie Vanilli there talking to our camera later in the night, didn't we, Be No one could hear us. Uh, <laughs> but it was Sydney and it was Darling Harbour and it was a beautiful backdrop. Yes, and weren't we told not to sing? I think we could not stop singing, wow. could we? Well, COVID laws in Australia, if you go up and go to the toilet at a premises, you almost get a, I don't know, a, a sort of a, a, a dissertation or, a, you know, a, a felony charge. Uh, in-house waiters and waitresses who are trying to keep us COVID safe and separate, yeah. uh, which I guess, thankfully, this time a year ago, we couldn't do anything, but now at least no. we can do stuff. But yes, we uh, we had to sit down and have our meal after recording and watch a really cool band live and Clap away and sing away, but uh, not leave our chairs or hit the hit our feet. Good with no dancing. I quite enjoyed chair dancing actually. It's actually quite good <laughs> for me. <laughs> I didn't get well, out of breath so much. I could there dance were four longer. Four or five of you on one, four or five of you on one side, and myself and Carmen on the other. And I, I had my back to the band, but I was sort of you know jigger, jig, getting jiggy with it. And uh, Carmen was just sitting there going, "Okay, well, uh, I don't know what, what do I do? Uh, shall I join in or not?" And anyway, we had a good tune though, but. Um, uh, it was a it was a great afternoon. Uh, well done putting sort of everything on together, and uh, we had a minor glitch to start with, but I see, we seemed to overcome that pretty fast with the help of uh, Laurie uh, from Chicago and your own oh. sort of uh, tech skills. She did really well. Forty five minute tutorial on Friday. It Friday was a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a mad day, dashing around mm. from here to there, and she came in and. Uh, just before she went to bed, I just gave her a 45-minute tutorial. She's a clever bunny, that one. Yeah. So thank you, Laurie. Thank you so much. Well, and she was really good at just sort of, you know, linking things together because as we were sitting there, a bit like stunned mullets, uh, we were sort of sitting side by side, not looking at each other, a bit like the Abba pose, you know, like Frida's <laughs> looking one way and and uh, Anna's looking the other and uh, we were sort of not seeing each other, which is a bit rare. It was very weird, each wasn't other. It? 
Yes. Yeah. So I'd rather be looking at you, I must admit. And as uh, Ferris Bueller would say, I think I was buffing up a lung myself uh, on that oh, day with a bit of a yeah, cough yeah, and things. Yeah. But uh, sorry for all the listeners had to put up with that. But uh, the show must have gone, well, had to go on. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit annoying having that. One last bit of navel gazing. We do want to go out and say thank you for the thank yous. And we probably would like to thank everybody who who who, who dialed in and called in. But a, a special thank you to Paul uh, Jolly. Okay. Yes. Not Jolly. 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 <laughs> uh, for actually putting a bit of a montage on from people who've enjoyed the, the podcast to say thanks to us. So uh meant a lot to us and uh, gave us a tear in the eye, didn't it, B? Oh, it was lovely, really nice. That was very thoughtful. Thank you, everybody. Now, Paul Gadinsky, a.k.a. Jolly, okay, <laughs> uh, went to uh, great lengths with that together and uh, along with uh, Laurie as well, who was just a, a mountain of help. But um, we're going to park all that now because, uh, you know, we're just sort of getting started. We're in episode 51 now and I guess uh, we've had a lot of support from patrons, but later in the show we are going to share a bit of a patron initiative uh, to bring on some new, some new blood into the patron team. Uh, and there's going to be a very, very rare album, song, live recordings giveaway that we won't say just yet who it is and what it's about and where it was recorded. But there will be, I think, be a, a patron initiative that will go out to our existing patrons, of course, uh, as we would normally do. Uh, but there might be a uh, an ability for new patrons to join and get access to some of these very rare recordings we're going to talk about today. Uh, yes, we're dangling a very big rare carrot tonight, today, aren't we? <laughs> okay. All right. So any Peter Rabbits out there like your carrots or Bugs Bunny, okay, we welcome you to uh, join the gang. Um, yes, which is pretty good. teasing but, um, you guys. You've got to come and listen to all of this. It's great. I've actually got someone to talk about, actually. There's a yep. guy called Andy came on the Hutch yep. Nation page and um, he was a teacher. Did you? See that one at all? Anyway, uh, keep talking. Oh, it might yeah, ring a bell. Yeah, he was a history. I think he said he was a history teacher, and he said mm-hmm. that um, he got he was doing a lecture on charisma. So he got all his students to go and watch Wembley <laughs> and to watch <laughs> Michael. And he said, "You know what? They all got it. They all knew." And he's the man. And I said, "Andy, how on earth did you find her nation?" He says, "Because I listened to you on your podcast." Oh. Okay. <laughs> where's really Andy cool. based? Is he, is he so hi to all the students. <laughs> Where, where's Andy based? In England. Oh wow. Okay. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a great great story because you know we had also uh, the uh, I guess vocal coach on a few months ago who was using Michael's Wembley gig yeah. as a tutorial. So. Michael might become a university topic one day as well. He could probably uh, uh, handle the uh, sex education classes, couldn't he be? <laughs> I'm sure he could. I'm sure yeah, he could. Okay. You're Actually, well, we're, I am a little bit. <laughs> um, while we're talking about schools and lectures and stuff like that, Laurie is a, a lecturer at um, a university and she's um, using us as um, as um, the podcast and our format to use. She thinks we are superb and she's actually teaching her stu- students we've got a thesis on us oh wow <laughs> I so, know. We're it, so we're making it to the classrooms in chicago well done who would have thought huh <laughs> but thought? uh 
For, for those uh, who don't actually uh, know, uh, Laurie also put, has put together her own podcast for the band Madness, mm. which uh, uh, I guess was a bit of an influence around that time on In Excess with that sort of UK scar thing happening. And uh, she runs a great podcast. I've, I've checked it out a couple of episodes. And uh, as we say, do yourself a favour if you like uh, good music and good uh, banter. Uh, Laurie has a, a great show that you should check out as well. Yeah, yeah, really good. And they're a fun band as well, aren't they? They are but not as sexy as in excess. Well, any any band that can put a song out called Baggy Trousers and it becomes a hit, <laughs> you know, Baggy Trousers. I mean, what a, what a great lyric, you know. Like it's so English, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. it's so so English, circa nineteen eighty one or something. That type of song. So, Suggs is um, a grandfather now. Oh, is he? Wow. Yeah. Well. Um, Speaking of patrons, I guess it is that time, B, where we welcome the most uh, valuable component of our podcast series, and that's our patrons. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to Nick Eager, Mark Opitz, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Paul Boozy, Pedro, Lisa Urban, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah Markram, Laurie, Carmen, Matt Dean, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Dr. Jim, Amanda, Leon, David, Sarah Camia, Anne-Marie, Lisa Calloway, Lisa McIntosh, Katie, Carrie-Anne, Fern, Caroline, Paul Jolie, Sandrine, Tracy, Tony, Warren, Sue B, Sue P, Amanda V, Ella, Ryder and Erica. Thank you and welcome. All right. Well, uh, as we like to hint uh, in our intro, we like to give people a bit of an idea who have made it this far, uh, that we do have a topic uh, that we delve deep on today. And uh, I guess it's uh, also uh, a friend of the podcast series, Mary Woods, and yourself are getting a chance to talk to a gentleman called Peter Toulouse that um, I guess has an interesting backstory, B. And uh, without giving too much away now, uh, do you want to give some of the, sort of the, the listeners a, a chance to know what the topic uh, about him is today? Well, I won't give too much away, but I'll just give the intro of how I found him. So um, we were talking about the Farris brothers, you and I, Mm. and I thought Mm. I would look them up and see if there's anything out there. And I found that there was a bootleg tape of um, a CD. And I'd also heard um, Mary mention that she'd done something for the band about um, these tapes as well. So only the band have got these tapes and it's been bootlegged onto YouTube. And I looked through and it's not, it was a poor recording. Recording, I must admit, and I looked through the comments and I saw Peter Toulouse's name. Got back in touch with Mary and we found him. Peter Toulouse actually recorded these records. So there's two different types of tapes. There's one done at the Alley Cats and then one at the Pickled Parrot. So it's uh, it's all about those tapes and that's all I'm going to say. So there will be some nuggets that uh, you will get a chance to hear and listen and maybe get access to at a later time, as we hinted earlier, but we will uh, discover and delve into that in the topic today. So what's the time for now, though, B? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. 
All right. Well, news of the week, B. We normally start off with chart news, but uh, at the time of recording, we are in a bit of a midweekish end of the week sort of period. So there aren't any chart updates, but we always like to encourage people who have only got 19 copies of the Greatest Hits album, uh, <laughs> to go out, or the very best of whatever, to go out and get a 20th version or a 21st because uh, – you know, we're gonna, this, this album has to stay in there as long as our podcast series. So there's another sort of, you know, what, 3,949 episodes. So uh, do yourself a favour uh, and get the very best. I guess moving to publications and some things that are actually out there. Uh, early in the year when Michael did turn 61, there was a little publication that came out. Now, I only discovered it this week, but through social media and through the fact that everything's digital, you don't need to own hard copies and things and things don't get thrown off on coffee tables like they did in the 80s and 90s, B, when a magazine used its uh, welcome date up. Uh, There is a digital article uh, for a publication called Splendid Fred Mag. Oh, now it's, it's not any—it's nothing to do with um, "Right Said Fred" or anything like that. Your deeply <laughs> dippy song the other week. That's your deeply dippy song, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's called "Splendid Fred Mag," and what they do—they go back in, and I think it was uh, about a week after Michael's would-be sixty-first birthday, and uh, it's a really good top ten of. Uh, Ajuno's uh, view of Inexcess's top 10 songs in his opinion. And the great thing about it, I've never seen such a versatile top 10. It's not all the, yeah, it's not all the cliche songs. And the thing that um, is really good about it is when he goes into the parts of the song that he really likes and, you know, I'll be a little hint, the stairs is in there and he talks about the nature of your tragedy, chained around his neck, so he had me at that. Okay, yes. but there's some really good stuff in there. Um, there's something that Dr. Jim will like, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't go through too much more because, you know, fresh eyes, fresh reading, um, it was really yes. good. And then there's, there's comments from other people have given their versions and their top tens, but it's a well-thought-out little article. It'll give you a sort of seven to ten minutes of some uh, in excess nourishment. Um, and as I said, you know, for you know, if you dive deep enough and look through, you know, Google and things like that, there's many great um, articles and things that date back 20, 30 years sometimes that, you know, I saw one the other day. It was like um, at the time the X album came out and the band were interviewed and I remember mentally reading it and going, oh, I remember that time. And, you know, you're hearing an Andrew Farris at 30 years of age talking and you're hearing, you know, Michael, you know, talking at that age and, you know, you're hearing about their experiences. And and I'm thinking, God, oh, they're bloody 15, 20 years younger than me. Like, they're really young. They'd already conquered the world 20 years before, yeah. like our age, you know. And it just, yeah, it just so reminds what? you just how much they did in such a short time, you know. Yeah, I know. He got so, yeah. worldly, so worldly and wise so quickly, didn't they? Yeah, and to mm. balance it out a little bit, um, you know, your friend, I think, uh, Facebook friend Richard Clapton, whose oh. album is still charting high in Australia, which is his yeah. sort of uh, his uh, compilation album. Uh, is it Love or something like that? Is it called? Um, uh, it's about that era of, of songs <laughs> in the 60s there. But Richard actually was on promoting that album, I think, on 96 FM. Uh, yeah. and, he, uh, and he was talking, obviously, about In Excess and said the first time he ever saw them, was at a live venue in front of nine drunk people. Okay, <laughs> that's, all, that's all they were there. So as we've discussed Wembley earlier where there was 74, 75,000 people, uh, we can balance it back by there's a good, um, uh, you know, interview with Richard on a 96FM uh, radio station talking about when he first met in excess and just the, <laughs> the nine drunk people there, but he was besotted by the band and saw potential and obviously went on to produce them. And just a subtle reference, uh, Richard Clapton, his first name he took from Keith Richards 
and his second name he took from Eric Clapton. So that's how he ah. got Richard Clapton. It's, it's Ralph, isn't it? Is it Ralph? I don't, I don't know. Oh, but, um, right. Yes, it is. I, I only realised until recently I thought he was always Richard Clapton. He just happened to have a very common, well, similar surname, but uh, like Elvis mm. Costello, whose real name is Declan McManus, okay, he took his name Elvis from guess who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he thought, oh, that's pretty punk. I'll just go take Elvis's first name, which was uh, yeah. very Well, Richard punk Clapton is out Ralph. Yeah, which is okay, a, which is a very rock and roll, is it? It's more sort of it's more happy days, isn't it? You know, Ralph Melf. <laughs> <Ralph Mouth. laughs> it's funny you should mention about the drunk people and nine of them because I was listening to a recording that you got me to listen to because I did some Wikipedia stuff and it sounded mm-hmm. like there was about three people in the room clapping to in excess. Yeah, but when they played, oh my god, they sounded like they were in a stadium. It was. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You think about a band coming up through the ranks, like um, you know, when EXS went to you know America, they were playing in front of 10, 20, 30 people. You know, probably in the first couple of gigs, but obviously it builds up. But you know, it takes a lot of courage to get on stage and give your all for six people or nine people mm-hmm. or whatever there. And I think you know that stuff you know carries on you know later and later and later. And I think when Michael said. This is the biggest pub we've ever played. They just took that same tenacity, that same uh, effort and focus and commitment to, you know, whether it was 10 people or, you know, 10,000 uh, or 100,000, just that same work ethic there. And um, mm. I guess that's how you end up playing in front of 100,000. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving along, uh, a- a- Andrew has uh, Andrew. He's just put, he's putting a little bit of a break in Media Wars, B. We, we probably won't put the theme music on this week, but... Uh, Kirk's, um, I think, gone back into the uh, the camp and just redressing his tactics because Andrew's done an interview with a, a magazine called Riff, uh, a digital platform, uh, and obviously goes back into his in excess and country now music days and things. Uh, but there's plenty of Andrew material out there, and as I always say, there's always a little new nugget in there, like you know who he lived with in England that became a competition a few weeks ago. Um, and there's a few little nuggets in there that I will um, not give away, but just let you um, check the article out uh, and enjoy uh, yourselves if you want to see what uh, Andrew's got to say at the moment. I know he's very active on Twitter and through all his platforms, especially about five in the morning, he must be up milking the cows. And there's a good little post yesterday and um, I did read that Andrew put out and talked about still wanting to set a great example for his family and out, you know, doing stuff and you know, wanting to create and be progressive in everything he does, and just set that example as a parent. I thought it was a really nice sort of, sort of, um, sort of anecdote to to share with the the listeners. If you if you don't follow Andrew on Twitter or follow him on uh, Facebook and things, um, he's always quite insightful uh, with his posts. Yes. Um, uh, and the last thing we'd like to do a little bit of a gig update and things, and uh, the band in excessive. Uh, I love the name of this town. Uh, be you, this is in your not quite your neck of the woods, but it's in your vicinity. It's a town called Mudgy, M U D G E E Mudgy. Okay, yeah. now uh, it's got a bit of an indigenousy sort of uh, mm. Australian sort of sound, but uh, I think it's the sound of uh, in excess melodies blaring out on a Saturday <laughs> night. But uh, uh, I think on June nineteenth, the in excessive cover band are going to be playing in the town of Mudgy. Uh, so if you are in regional New South Wales and you want to get along and capture a little bit of uh, vital live music, uh, do yourself a favour. That's a town that will be 
rocking. And I can say to you, actually, being now that it's come to me, uh, seven, eight, nine years ago when NXS were doing their uh, On the Green tours, uh, Day on the Greens all around Australia, yeah. they did mm-hmm. play at Mudgee, one of the big wineries okay. there. Yeah. So there could be a little hidden in excess enclave of fans who might want to go out and, uh, uh, you know, revisit those glory days because, uh, yeah. yeah, they did play there. Yeah, it's yeah. very in, isn't it? It's, it's quite country, Mudgy, I believe. Yeah. Mm, yes. Never been, yeah. I must go. Mm. Yeah, but um, that's the news. That's the news. Okay. This is Ella from Middleburg, the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week. in the house once again hi hi b <laughs> happy hi. to be here thank you for joining us and uh we also have peter to lucy i do love saying your name peter peter to lucy welcome welcome thank you so much and you even pronounced it pretty well thank you do I? Mary. Nice to see <laughs> I you after all these years i know peter's been a long time <laughs> Well, I have to thank you both for um, finding one another again and coming onto the show. It was quite funny how it all happened. I think me and um, Mary had mentioned the Farris Brothers tapes in the last um, interview, and I was looking at them on the um, YouTube, and I saw your name in the thread, and I told Mary about you. I said, I think I found Peter, but you hadn't been on the thread for about three years, and then... Mary, you got in touch with him. How funny was that? I know. I know. It was magic. (laughs) It was magic. It was meant to be. So thank you for replying to us. So what's the story? (laughs) Well, I mean, I'll I'll start by explaining how it all came about, really. It was in um, 97, and I owned and operated NXS.com for about nine years during that time. And when Michael passed away, um, I received, you know, thousands of emails. And one of the emails I got was from Peter. And he explained that he knew the band way back when and had recorded um, a couple of shows. And he wanted the band to get copies of these. So I thought that was very interesting and we started talking and uh, he had some photos from some of the concerts and the cassette tapes. And correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but I think the chain of events was, I also heard from Dave Stewart, David Stewart from Guinness, and he had a a live show. He was a guitar player, played slide guitar, I think, in, in Guinness. So somehow, you got your take to him in Southern California, and then he mastered them on the CDs. Am I right? And then I created the artwork for the uh, double CD, which is this, by the way. 
Yeah. Um, really Yay. Good. And we created two CDs, uh, one called Funky Junk, which of course is the Ferris Brothers from June 10th, 1979, live at the Alley Cat. And then the other one was Beware the Ides of March in excess, March 15th, 1980, live at the Pickled Parrot. Wow. So we, so I created the, or we created these CDs. I did the artwork and we did this exclusively for the band. And then I gave them to the band. My best recollection is one year later, um, November of 98, when I went to Sydney for the one year anniversary of Michael's, um, the memorial, the one year memorial. And my best recollection is I gave each of the band members uh, these CDs. And then somewhere along so, the way, I noticed that they got loaded, or at least these two, uh, the Ferris Brothers and the In Excess uh, music, somehow either got bootlegged or it showed up yeah. mm-hmm. online. And I said, oh, that's interesting how that happened. So it wasn't made for the fan page. It was for the no. fan club. Sorry, it was made just for the band. For and the band. I should imagine yourselves as well, Peter, and yourself, and um, David Stewart would have had one a copy, would he? So I, I, I can say yeah. a little bit. Of, uh, if the fact that it ended up on the internet on YouTube was at least partially of my doing, because at that stage I had protected the recordings from bootleggers etc through through the 20 years or so i made a few copies for friends who i trusted over the years but after we made those recorded after we made that package mary and and i sent it off and heard nothing more back after some time i felt it was I, i felt comfortable starting to share those recordings i had become more involved in the live recording and tape trading scene via the grateful dead uh, here and 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 sometime in the early 2000s when things were being more digitized and people were sharing their old treasures it was a fascinating period early and all the way through whether it's the vault the, the the live music archive or youtube your favorite band there's always something new showing up some treasure that someone has protected for a long time and then finally yeah. dusted off and made available and and so i did make those recordings available um there's a separate uh, conversation, and, and B, I don't want to dominate at this point, just to say that uh, those initial recordings were I maybe transferred by me and then sent on to Dave. And Dave, Dave Stewart had been a bandmate of Kirk in the early days, even before the Farris brothers, who, of course, were before three of them before in excess. Um, and uh, this... I take responsibility. I didn't much like the transfer that Dave did, and it's largely because I transferred them at the wrong speed. So right. it was an audio file. I hate to have made the band sound like they were playing playing out of key or something. Yeah. I, 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 unfortunately, half the uploads up on the internet are also of that recording. Yeah, I yeah. Make the point of getting my better, my pristine, clean, unmixed recording that I'm pretty sure is at very close to the right speed. Um, uh, I remastered it and those are the recordings I shared with you too. And I did reshare that in, with some people. So you'll find some of those on YouTube also. Yeah, if I so you- take them down, I'd be happy to. But in the meantime, only a few people care about these really early recordings and their treasures. Yeah, no, I thank you so much for that. So if anyone has got the bootleg uh, of the um, original that Peter 
gave it was made at the wrong speed by david stewart to put and it and it's gone out um onto the youtube as a, a wrong speed which it is it's quite distorted isn't it and, and i know michael's voice is lost a little bit as well isn't it in some parts so yeah we're very lucky that you've redone those for us i can't wait to um, share those with everybody The original recordings, there's a little story with each. And um, with one at the Alley Cat Wine Bar, I had some pretty good microphones. Uh, uh, but the Alley Cat in a, a wine bar in North Sydney is a long, thin stage. And, and the band were li lined up around the corner of the stage. And so I really ended up just pointing a mic sort of at each speaker. And I got a very stereo <laughs> mix with what was in one speaker was totally absent from the other. And every time I've tried to remix those recordings, I've failed. So listen to them as they are and enjoy. They're certainly, that one is fairly clean. The Pickled Parrot recording is much better balanced, but not as clean because I didn't use as good a microphone. Okay. But, it, but it's fascinating to hear how in the short time of nine months, the band has changed not only its name, but so much of its focus. Yes. Um, and so I think the two stand side by side to capture this little point in history. And yes. you know, just one more thing. It's not just capturing the Farris brothers and in excess. It's also capturing that point in time uh, in Australia where um, we'd had close to a decade of throwing off the old Aussie cultural cringe and starting to think that our music could be as good as anyone's. And uh, it was also that point in time, just past the British punk, when New Wave was starting to happen, when ska was starting to happen. It was in between the first gig and the second that Kirk learned to play sax and they started to pick up covers by the Gangsters and a couple of the other popular early ska bands. And then their first album was, as you may recall, was pretty heavily ska influenced before they became a little more mainstream pop from there on and found success. This is what gets me excited really about the fact that we have these two very different tapes, um, but not that far apart in age, really, like you said, but such a growth and difference in their time of life. So it's great that we can actually do a show on both of the tapes and have your input on this as well. So thank you so much. Let's go a bit further back. How on earth did you get into the show and uh, know the band or to begin with, I should ask. Well, Peter. <laughs> I, I, I had a, sorry to jump in there. I, I had a good mate in high school who was uh, Tony Lane, uh, who strongly influenced my taste in all sorts of areas, but music and hi-fi were two strong aspects. And we were, we were good buddies. Uh, we went to different colleges, but, uh, uh, lived in the northern, both were from the northern beaches area of Sydney. And eventually he was living in Whale Beach, which is even further up the peninsula than Newport, which is where I had lived for a number of years. Uh, and he lived at Whale Beach with Kirk and Tim. I'm not sure how they met up, but, but I met them at his place and they told me about their band. And I made a point of coming to see their band, which was gigging every Sunday night at that point at the Alley Cat Wine Bar. And on the third or the fourth gig, I happened to have some microphones handy because I'd recorded the talking heads that come to town two nights earlier and I'd borrowed good microphones from the university. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so I had the decent mics in the deck and I was headed out there Sunday. So I recorded them. What the heck? Turns out yeah. that you fall into making something uh, uh, that is worth having 20, 30 years later. Cool. And um, talking about, well, Beach then, you weren't at the the party. That, would it have been um, Tim's 21st and uh, was it the day that Elvis passed away as well or something? Didn't they play Where their first go? gig the, the night that Elvis died? That was always yeah, that's it. It, it was yeah. the day. Yeah. So, so um, were you at that gig? Peter? No, no, no. Um, that and, and even then, first gig has is probably referring to first gig after they came back from Perth. They had they had sort of formed in Sydney, moved mm -hmm. to Perth, and played around in Perth for three to six months. I think You'd, yeah. someone who read the autobiography would, which is full of some pretty interesting tales from that time. <laughs> it I, is. It's a good one. Uh, story to story. Uh, yes, uh, there's a couple of great ones. Um, but then they came back to Sydney, and I think that's when. The, the modern scene started and that was probably in the summer and it was six months later in the winter remember that june is winter and down under as you mm -hmm. as you know be um, <laughs> i know I thought, a bit chilly today <laughs> so no i wasn't at that famous original party that was talked about in the youtube comments but that well beach house was great uh, and, and i've even gone to google maps and found it again so, oh, so you went to the actual house I've, 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 I've visited, as I say, I visited my friend Tony there nu numerous times and then saw and then got to know Kirk and Tim. And over the years, I got to know eventually the band somewhat better. And, and at least one later house occupied by my friend Tony um, had Mike living there, Michael. So I, I got to hang out with him on a number of occasions there, too. No, no particular stories or anything, just that there was that level of camaraderie with the band. Um, uh, they were excited. They ended up uh, the night I first took LSD, if I may mention that. Um, <laughs> in, in the daytime, with my friend's help, I ended up that evening at a, at a hotel in Bondi where they, the, where they were playing and, and, they, and went backstage afterwards to let them know. And they were so excited to have provided that experience for me. So we were on that level of friendly buddy terms in that period. It was great. So going back to the Alley Cat, had they played there before as well? Had you been to that bar? I'd been to see them at the Alley Cat maybe mm -hmm. four or six times is my memory before the night that I recorded them. And indeed, a couple of times after that, they were getting more popular and getting more gigs. It was June that I saw them at the Alley Cat and, 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 and a few months before the, and after that by October, I remember seeing them in a gig downtown or maybe in the Rocks area of Sydney, which is just under the bridge. And that was the gig where um, they had signed their, signed their, changed their name to an excess and signed their first recording contract. And so that was by October. Uh, and keep counting the months. Somewhere in there, they also got, I'm forgetting his name, but signed with, with their first manager, Gary Grant. 
And by March, when I recorded them at the uh, at the Pickled Parrot, uh, a pub in Gladesville, which was a much, much larger uh, and more proper scene, if you will, than the Alley Cat Wine Bar, they had, they had many new songs and had left many of the old songs behind. One of the things I love is that a cover they maintained through that period, they had been performing uh, Steely Dan's Pretzel Logic, and they did a pretty nice funky version on the earlier recording. And by the, and nine months later, by the time they're at the Pickled Parrot, they transformed the song to the point where it's almost unrecognizable. Oh, really? Even, even oh. The new wave. And so you see the artists getting bored with what they had to do. The first recording is a lovely mem memorabilia of when you had to, what you had to do in Aussie pub rock and yes. many American bars to uh, to get by. You had to play, play, the, play the hits and this and that and, and not be too out there with your own covers. But nine months later, they had permission to be as weird as they liked. Weird. Artistic, I think you meant. <laughs> Yeah, they were on. They were on their way. So nice bookends. following them around did you follow them around australia you know i followed them from 1979 through to the end of 1982 uh they were getting bigger they started to tour a little bit uh and and probably before i, I might have reached that point of traveling around the other states i certainly remember driving around sydney from the northern beaches to the far wastelands of the southern suburbs, uh, uh, Cronulla and further in search of gigs. Um, but I moved to America, in, to Chicago in early 1983, uh, leaving that scene behind. And a year later, dang, if they aren't touring America. So we were yeah. able to pick up again. They played at a, a, the Park West, a, a very fine dance floor in Chicago and uh, um, Meeting, meeting them again was a, a very emotional thing for me, at least, yeah. And then, so we, we, we hooked up again for the next two or three years of touring. And by then, after two or three years, by 1985 or so, they were too big for me to try to fight my way backstage. And I had gotten too deep into the Grateful Dead to really care about any other musical act. <laughs> Many people <laughs> did. You know, you travel yeah. into there for a while when you first get into them, and with any luck, you, you, you come back up for air and for other music, but a lot of people don't. I did, of course. I had too much other music I'd already loved. And, oh, I'd love to bring Grateful Dead play uh, live 
performance sensibilities and uh, to in excess music or, or vice versa. Take the songs and, and, and play them in slightly different formats, slow them up, funk them up a little bit more, yeah. make room for a long instrumental break. Uh, I mean, the, the boys themselves would love it, so I'm, I'm convinced. Oh, yeah. Peter. So they're your other band, or they are your band, aren't they, The Grateful Dead? You well, love them. Are, the Grateful What is it about are, them? They are, they were, they are no more, yet Yet, a hundred bands continue to perform their music, as do several of the members of the original bands. Um, and and uh, and first half a dozen and then hundreds of other bands have come along. There were, uh, th there's a term jam band we use here in America, the jam band scene. Uh, post short for what? Post Grateful Dead hippie noodle dancing jam band. Know it well. I don't want to make this too much about all that. The Dead taught us some really powerful lessons about how you can do live performing as the focus of being a musician and really enjoy that and not be quite as swept away by the machine. They worked hard to avoid being overwhelmed the way in excess and so many other acts in the rock world were overwhelmed i don't know them so much so, so are they an american band the grateful dead yes they were an american band from san francisco and in, in the and, and were emblematic of the of the 60s and the countercultural and drug scene and uh okay. and toured right the way through to 1995 when, when, when their leader jerry garcia died oh, uh, of nice. a heart attack uh, a little young after uh, a lifetime of abuse. Um, yeah. Are they in the uh, Rock Hall of Fame at all? Rock, rock and Roll Hall no. of Fame at all? No. I don't know. I believe I don't think. I don't think so. That's something to look up, though, but I don't yeah, think they should are. Do. They would yeah. have been inducted. You probably would have known it, though, Peter, because they would have... Um, yeah, you would you know, have been people. part of the ceremony if you ever watched I, it. I, I, I have some memories that it might have happened. Um, really? um, listen, the, the, to share very quickly, the, the thing about the Grateful Dead is they fought the rock and roll system all the way. They fought the big performance artists, make more money, follow a formula, make new albums and tour. They fought that as hard as they could and were the band that succeeded at doing so and taught many other bands how to succeed and how you succeed is by making less emphasis putting less emphasis on the recorded project product and having more fun doing the live performance not playing the live show every the same show every night but a different show every night and new covers and old rearrangements rearrangements of old material so your your whole repertoire continues to grow in your time as a band mm -hmm. many other bands have learned those lessons thankfully yeah, well, that's why we all love um, In Excess so much is because they were a live band. And for a while there, they changed it up a little bit by going back to the, the pub, the pub uh, tour, as they called it, and did those little, little things there. But um, yeah, Mary, did you just look it up? Were you looking it up then? I was What's trying it? to, but guess what? what? I can't get my phone started. Oh, I turned it God. off and now it won't come back on. So I'm going to work on it <laughs> and I will let you know. 
<laughs> so we're trying to get in excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, we're trying to help. We've got an in- we actually have got a little team um, of friends that are called the Induct Page, and um, we run by a lovely lady called Lisa Urban. With um, uh, we call him Doctor Jim. <laughs> His name's Jim, and um, he's also got a lady called Dina helping too. So yeah, hi, hi to the you guys. And um, so they're working really hard with a petition, and um, for fans. So if there's any fans out there, I'll just mention that again. That um, if you can go along and um, sign the petition, he's just come up to um, over around I think three thousand signatures now. Great. We need more. We need more. We need more. Yeah. Yeah. Send me the link. I'll just circulate it a little. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thank you. Pickled parrot. I, the name is rel- is irrelevant. It was, <laughs> it was just a, a, a nickname. It was just a, a pub name. It was a large room with a stage in one corner, and it was a dining room as well as a pub, um, and probably had room for three or four hundred people, maybe 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 two hundred fifty compared to the alley cat, which would have been jammed at seventy five. So that was oh, okay. Fun larger and, and and although you could stand up and dance around your table there was a, there was a little dance floor in front but it wasn't it wasn't some it was a somewhat more formal place so uh, the difference between the, in search of larger venues definitely yeah so the difference between the alley cat and the and the, the parrot i'll call it um so so was a, a bigger it was a bigger audience by then was it jammed was it what, what were people dancing more? What could you, was there a difference, a growth there in in their audience? Well, I I can't really say that. Remember, I remember how enthusiastic the crowd was. I was certainly enthusiastic myself, as you'll hear in a couple <laughs> places if you listen to the tape. But, I, but, just, but just the fact that they had been playing in venues that were smaller than 100 people and were traveling around Sydney and exploring larger and larger venues. Um, uh, it was a little after that time that they played at the Manly Vale Hotel at that live to air gig. And, and that was five or 600 people, I want to say. That was the largest room they'd played in so far. So certainly the venues were getting bigger in that mm-hmm. time. And, and and thus, I'm presuming the demand must have been there and that they were they were selling out. It got more popular. There was the live-to-air gig, and, and soon after that, the first single. Uh, and hear, hearing, I think it was Just Keep Walking, on maybe that was the first single, on the radio was just amazing. Yeah, I bet. Um, your, your friends on the radio. It, 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 it was a top 40 hit, too. Maybe yeah. I think the first hit was um, Simple Simon. It's a while now. 
Yeah, no, Simple Simon was their first release, but um, Just Keep Walking was their hit okay, of the album. Simon, yeah. was the first to really make it into the top 10. I think, I think even Simple Simon was a top 40 hit, and then maybe there was a second, and then... Just keep walking, which is still. This is great. where I need Hayden. Recording that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Hey, so, Grateful oh. Dead, nineteen ninety four, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Woohoo! <laughs> yep. There we go. There we go. So uh, we need to talk to your fans, <laughs> fan friends, and help us get in excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too. Well, I have a lot of friends I know from that scene who are big, who are also have a personal relationship with and loved in excess, and so I'll gather up a couple dozen signatures for you at least. Did you say night? Thank you. Did you say ninety four? Yes, ninety four. And and um, the lead singer passed away in ninety five. Yes. Um, oh. The the other band. I'm remembering the story now. The other band members showed up and they brought a cutout, a uh, cardboard cutout of Jerry, who, who, who would have <laughs> no part of, of the rock world. Right. Like that. I remember it, that. He wanted nothing to do with it. He thought the, oh. he thought the others were sellouts and he wanted to yeah. stay in San Francisco in, in his slippers with his pipe. Oh. <laughs> they sound quite an interesting band, <laughs> don't they? I think I might have to be, go and uh, love a listen later and have a read about them. Thank you for bringing those to my attention. What what lingers? They're a very American band. You you might pick up some some of, of joy from the music elsewhere, but what lingers is their approach to the to live music and the and the anti-establishment position they were able to take. They're, when they were successful as live tourists, they were able to dictate their own terms instead of having the record their recording label boss them around, and, and that's yeah. what they wanted all along, and and that's what every live band wants sooner or later. Yeah, cool. So what did you think of um, In Excess as they evolved into In Excess, the pop band for a while there? When, when, when Kit came out, did you like their music still or did you think they'd sold out a little bit or what did you think, Peter? It was while I was deeper into... Um, the Grateful Dead, those those number of years in the mid-80s, I started bringing my head out again by 87, 88, 89. Um, uh, and I, I was familiar with the music and I watched them getting more and more popular and, and, and loved it um, without really saying I love this album or I love that album. It's not till the last album or two when they're making music that I really connected with again. Was that Welcome to Wherever You Are? And what was the last album? Elegantly Wasted. We were Elegantly talking about wasted. it, weren't we? So yeah. So good. 
and I was a little anti-pop, so no, I didn't love all the mid-period material, but gosh, I've come to respect it. And, and, and in my older age, I, you know, a great pop song is a wonderfully crafted piece of art. And, and they made so many, so many great songs. Uh, yeah. they, they belong in, the, in that Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many songs, so many songs. Are there no. any other? Aussies oh. in the rock and roll. Are there any other Aussies in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or is there an Aussie Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? There must be. Well, we've got we've got the Arias that, and and we do have them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over here in Australia, but it's not as you know internationally recognised as if we got them into the uh, one in Ohio in Cleveland. Yeah, so I that's, don't. That's a goal. I'm trying to think of who else might be my Midnight Oil Air Supply. Um, uh, ACDC. Uh, ACDC AC, AC would probably be oh, the yeah. one who, who got there first in the end. Yeah. I wonder and, if they're in the rock. They're not in the rock and roll hall. Yes. They? Yes, they are. are. They? Yes. Oh, yes. Cool. And um, the Bee Gees. I think uh, I, you're, you're correct, although I don't think of them as an Aussie band because they yeah, don't have the Well, here. they could, they, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're the three, aren't they? Aussies brought up in America and England and born in Australia. I, I'm spacing. What was Tim Finn's band after Split Ends? I mean, Neil Finn. They might have made it to the, to the Hall of Fame, too. I'm not sure, actually. They should. That'll be my next one. <laughs> oh, I love one at a time. If, if you like Crowded House, go back and find the, the poppiest of the Split Ends albums. This I still at times think that's some fun. of the finest music made anywhere on the planet during that decade. I'd like to have him on the show one of the days. So if you've got any stories um, with Michael, maybe? You know, I, I was closer with... Tim, Tim and Kirk, and I don't really have so much personal stories. Uh, I guess what is what it comes to me to share is that we went to see them because they were so good. Not it, it was what the, it was the same lesson that those guys, the Grateful Dead, mentioned said so clearly: it's not what they play, it's how they play it. And right from the beginning, they had they had great songs, both covers and originals, but they played with such infectious energy. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to use a quote from one of our friends who used to go see them. Our friend Oscar said they were tight as a fish's arsehole. Uh, <laughs> he was a drummer too, a nice good musician's term. And, but they were. They were incredibly tight musicians. Uh, Michael was a, was a little nervous at the microphone and would, would mumble unexpected things here and there. Uh, on one recording here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick the monitor stand now. And it's just, it's just, it's just a little self-conscious and delightful of
are my stories. The, the various gigs we went to, the, the, the growth in, in their moving from pub rock to uh, uh, with, with a healthy tinge of prog rock. I love the Roxy Music covers and, and some of the other things through the ska period to, to starting to get grounded in straightforward commercial pop rock and eventually defining, defining the genre uh, yeah. 10 years later. Um, having seen their early period and seeing how they built their foundation on the interactions around the live performance and, 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 and the band's camaraderie expressed on stage made, made it so easy to pick up new material. So yes. that's really the only stories I have. The story, the, the story of that exciting time, the, Brit the, the British punk and post-punk period, ska, new wave, uh, how it reflected into the burgeoning Sydney, at least, and, and Melbourne and, and Australian rock scene. Uh, the Triffids showed up then from West Australia, the Machinations, um, my sex, so many other Aussie bands influenced by British bands taking Aussie music to the next level. And in the end, that was my story. They, over the decade I was there, I mentioned before the great cultural, Aussie cultural cringe. And as that was being lifted, band after band that got more popular in Australia would go to London to make their next record or would go to America to tour with someone to try to break through. And one by one, they came through with home with their tails sort of between their legs. And to find that it was our old friends in excess that finally broke they through. They did it. Really bloody amazing. Yeah. I don't know if they yeah. deserved it the most, but I love the, but I love them the best. And, 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 I, and I'm so thrilled for them and remain that yes. way. B, you do yes. put, get them into the Hall of Fame, please. Oh, well, they're going to get themselves there, but I'm going to help yes. them get yes. there. <laughs> and Mary, for all you've done in that too, I don't mean to focus on the obviously. Oh, Mary, yeah. amazing, oh, amazing job that needs to be recognised as well. Um, we won't let uh, Mary down for all the work that she's done. We need to get Mary recognised by everybody. What an incredible lady to have got so much um, of the work done um, through the dark days where when we lost Michael, Ma Mary was there to pick up a lot of those really sad emails yeah. um, from the fans when, you know, um, management... Uh, just had to couldn't deal with it so mary had to deal with a lot of that grief as well so thank you mary for doing that for a lot of our fans i want to thank you from everybody really and um, publicly on that oh that's very kind thank you no it's true though it's yeah true. well you know when all the emails started pouring in oh my god it was thousands i just it became a little too much for me. So I just kept dumping them all into folders on my desktop, mm. right? All these emails. And I figured someday I'll get around to doing something with them. I didn't really read every single one of them. It was just a little too much, a lot of grief. Mm. But there's a lot of um, also like business people and bands who had played with them before. There was no other way to get a hold of the band except for to send an email, you know, at NFS.com and it came right to me. So I got a lot of emails from all different people and I uh, just kind of scan them really quick and put them into folders according to what they were about, you know, something to talk about later, another time maybe, but you know, a year later I, I made those condolence books. I put them all into books and gave them to the band. 
so that they wouldn't get lost in history. <laughs> so Peter, your email is in that is in one of the books somewhere. Don't ask me what page. There's like 500, almost 600 pages. So wow, one of wow. these days, maybe I'll go through and see if I can find it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, so incredible, the grief, but to have it all put together is very special to have done that as well. Where were you, Peter, when you had the sad news? Uh, I was living in Minneapolis at the time, mm -hmm. and I, I don't remember anything remarkable about that day. It was just, just oh, my gosh, you're kidding. I mean, I had been vaguely aware that in excess having taken a long time off were uh, going to try to do an Aussie tour uh, and do and record a new album I was aware of Michael's ongoing difficulties following the the, the loss of taste and was it just smell yeah. or just and and some taste, taste, taste yeah. mainly was it? But smell, yeah. COVID, how much that how, how much that changes you and how, how devastating mm, yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, so I, I have no special stories about that news. Um, just of that date, November twenty second, is uh, also the day that John F. Kennedy died many years earlier, and the same day that Aldous Huxley died because he died. The, the same year and the same day as JFK. So Michael mm -hmm. nailed another important for me. Important date, yes. Wow. Yeah. Not, um, not too, I still missed. don't know what to believe about all about any and all that. And 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 there you go. Uh, you know, it makes you crazy. On the road makes you crazy. Yeah, there's there's too there's too much that went on, and it's just too long ago now. And you know what what was done is done. It's just, what we have to remember is Michael's leg legacy that he's left with all these beautiful lyrics and songs and um, images as well. I mean, what a good looking man he was. <laughs> yeah. uh, even back then, as you uh, Mary, you just sent me those old photos that I sent you. Oh so yes, yeah from that would have been 1979 or early in 1980. You know, I was just looking online uh, um, on Wikipedia uh, and I find that a number of those songs from my recordings showed up on an album release or a CD release called Stay Young, 1979 to 82, the complete deluxe years. Um, uh, so but I don't think they're from your record. There's some of no. the same songs. No, they're from the Manly Hotel or something different. Uh, that, that's yeah. what I was going to mention. There, there's four or five songs recorded at that Manly Vale Hotel gig from which come the photos that I sent you for their oh. project. So I'm, just meet, I'm just matching those two items. Oh, okay. great, great. So the photos great. are from the Manly Hotel? The, the, fo the photos that I sent to Mary along with these early recordings, which were used on the cover of the C tribute CD that we made for the band, Beautiful. came from <laughs> this Manly Vale Hotel gig, which is from which these songs were uh, later recorded for the for this or used for this album. Okay, yeah. and I'll be I releasing those photos. Yeah, I'll release those photos in the Patreon page later in the week for everybody to have a look. So if you're a patron, you can get to see those. They're great, aren't they? As a, right. Yeah. And, and the other thing I want to mention, and I mm -hmm. think you'll be loading the artwork from the I double will. CD. 
Peter, you may not remember, but you wrote, you wrote this and then back here. Let's see if I can get it in the camera. I, I, do you remember I, that? I do remember the text. I kept the text files. Oh, good, good. Aww. That's great. And uh, it's really a great read. So I can't we'll, wait. I'll include this, I guess, in the, yes, uh, I will. The I will. Package. <laughs> I'll send you some notes because I finally got clear comparing my recordings to these released recordings that I have one, two, three, four, five, six original songs that were never recorded, as well as three or four uh, covers that as far as I know, watching the detectives and long train running oh. and Spanish mood and moon and Hey Lord and Jealous, a bunch of good covers that never made it onto any of their recordings. Oh, wow. So, my four or five early originals, not their very best, all the best songs got on there. Telephone and In right. Vain uh, uh, and Silent Night were three of my favorite songs that didn't make it onto the first album that eventually made it onto these compilations. But there's yeah. a bunch of other originals from this funky period that are pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you could so you could make another CD, you reckon? Well, <laughs> um, it's it's their material. I I, I don't know. I, I don't. You know, from I've gotten to know music, a lot of musicians fairly well, uh, and musicians are and, and other artists are less interested in what they did when they were teenagers than what they're doing now. And, and, yeah. and, and I'm by a large embarrassed about what they did last week, let alone 30 years ago. So, I, I mean, I was able to get back in touch with Kirk by way of Facebook a few, a year or so ago, and it was great to reconnect, but he seemed uninterested in following up with these recordings in any way. And I gather, as I've shared them with my friends who are in excess fans, they love the pop band. They don't, they're not necessarily interested in this early history. It's quite different you got to be a purist, but if you're a purist, it'll blow your mind because you had no idea they were like this before they became like right. that. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I nearly said I'm guessing like Hayden then. We're delving deep into a lot of this and unearthing a lot of things, and I think they're actually expecting more from us. So I, I would love to get those recordings. But Tim and um, Kirk, I feel that they would be on board now to listen to those tapes, definitely. No well, especially audience. if we can get a hold of David Stewart, who was in Guinness. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we did this CD. But I have tried to contact him. I haven't heard from him yet. If anybody knows David Stewart, he's in the Come on, David. Pick up the phone. I'm fairly sure I can find him again, Mary. Good. So uh, I'll be All sorry right. to do that. Is, is this something watching the detectives? <laughs> I, I'm like, my, my favorite covers they performed were uh, Slip My Disco, a tube song, Banished um, yeah. <laughs> Moon, a Little Feet song that many people have covered, but they do a wonderful job with it. Um, maybe my favorite was Miss Shapiro uh, from the Phil Manzanera, the 801 Live album, if you're into any of the post-Roxy music stuff. Oh, was, brilliant. Um, and that and that segued on the 801 live album, which was an early classic 70s live album, into the yeah. Kings. You really got me. Uh, and so they did a wonderful cover of that prog progressive classic. Watching the detectives, uh, Hey Lord, Don't Ask Me Questions, uh, Jealous, Robert Palmer, uh, Gangster by the Specials, the, moving into Ska. So How many songs are on these? Oh, How many songs have we got on these tapes? The first one, the first show um, has 17 songs. 
And the Ooh. second show has 21 songs. Wow. What, what fun. I leave one off. Um, yeah. so, so there's uh, 22 on the second song. 22, I 19, yeah. I have 19, 21. There was a little bit of difficulty fitting the whole recording onto a single CD. So exactly, uh, that's why this one, one of the versions of has two songs uh, for the second show. Okay. Yeah, right, because it didn't yeah. all fit. Um, but counting those, this two, which is the the pickled parrot show. Yes, nineteen, and then two songs from the previous disc. So twenty one. I have unless I'm missing Absolute one. Treasure. Absolute <laughs> treasure. Not. So excited <laughs> to listen to it. is on here, and doctor, yeah. and you know things from. We the are the vegetables. We are show. the vegetables. Yeah, I think cool. that's on both shows. We are the vegetables. Yeah, they closed out the first show, Ferris Brothers, with We Are the Vegetables. According to that the was, that was their traditional set ender for many, many years. Oh, is that right? Not <laughs> don't change. They hadn't written it yet. <laughs> no. Was was that late? Was that became a segue later on, uh, encore later on? Oh yeah, they played that always. Last Aww. last show, last song of, we, of every show was "Don't Change" for years. Yay. Always. We played that in that last week. Yeah. And you all you sang along. <laughs> we all sang and danced. We all yeah. sang and danced. And, well, and yet we all changed and they changed and kept changing. And, and, and it's so fascinating still for me to hear where they ended up knowing where they started from. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're privileged to see a whole band's history. Uh, mm. Whether you, I mean, you, you know some of the people and you love them, but just to, just to have seen... 10, 15, 20 years of, of, of a musical thing happening. It's yes. part of our culture, it's part of our life, part of our sense of self. I, yeah, I was there for all of In Excess. Uh, yeah. And I loved them from the beginning to the end. And, and, and I was there for Michael Jordan's great years in basketball like that too. So they're just <laughs> part of who we are. Yeah, yeah well, you saw, you saw the growth from boys to men, really, didn't you? I was lucky to come in at that early level, yes. Yeah, 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 very good. Oh, so yeah, thank you for coming on the show, everybody. You it's are been welcome. an absolute pleasure. pleasure. And I have a feeling, um, well, Mary's definitely coming back on because there's lots we can talk about. <laughs> and, and I'd love to have you back on. Maybe we can talk about one of the songs another time, or if there's a story that comes back to your mind, Peter, we'll have you back on then. That sounds great. We'll stay in touch and find a good opportunity soon, hopefully. I've had fun okay. today. Okay. I'm so sorry that Hayden couldn't be here. He, he, he's, he, he has to work, bless him, and he's, he's very tied up with work. And just because the time zones, it just didn't work. So thank you so much. Bearing with me. It's been great. Thank you. I had a blast. It's, it's nice to, see, to get in touch with you again, Mary, after all these years and I see know. your face this time. Charming all around. 
What a treat. Make it happen Thank again. Thank you. So nice to, to see you and hear you again. Okay, then. Bye, everyone. Take Bye. care. Love you. Thanks. We'll see you next time, okay? Great interview, B. Interesting guy and probably great access to a period in time that none of us were at. Yeah, he was quite groovy looking as well. Got like a little fezzy hat going on and a big um, tie-dye background. Well, he's, he's still circa 1979, isn't he? <laughs> he was a little bit, but bless him. Yeah. Hi, hi to both of you, by the way. Well, look, one of the big things uh, that I'm, you know, we'd love to sort of go through now is that essentially, as sort of sort of alluded to on the the, the chat there, there's uh, two concerts that have actually sort of been taped. And there's sort of a mix of original tracks and cover songs. And I guess you can sort of see where NXS's influences were early in the day and what was sort of, uh, you know, going around in the sort of the mid to late 70s that sort of connected with the band. On the uh, sort of first uh, album per se or CD, which uh, uh, they seem to call Funky Junk, which was that first one recorded at the Alley Cat Wine Bar in North Sydney, they basically played 17 songs. And there's a mixture, just as we said, I think, B, obviously of individual tracks originals and then covers uh just looking down the list here for the listeners there's a song called lucky keyring which uh i've been playing a little bit today which is fantastic goes That's into a cover a favorite of... straight away yeah. wasn't it? very very catchy <laughs> Yeah, and then it goes into a cover of Jet Airliner, which is Steve Miller, Slip My Disco by The Tubes. Now, The Tubes are a pretty sort of seminal band out of America there, one of the sort of real power pop bands. Uh, Tuxedo, a favourite of yours. Funky Junk, not to be confused with Peter Andre's Funky Junkie. Okay, <laughs> sorry, ladies. <laughs> uh, there's a song, Spanish Moon. There's another one, Long Train Running, which is a cover of the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, cool uh, song. Yeah, they have a song Breakaway and then it looks like they go into a break. They then have Miss Shapiro and then Slash, you really got me going. So I guess uh, uh, I think Miss Shapiro, I think that's a, a Roxy song, Roxy yes. Music song, and then You Really Got Me is The Kinks. Love is the Drug, again, Roxy Music. Then there's a song Falling, which it looks like an individual band original. Watching the Detectives, Elvis Costello, uh, cool. a very popular cover around that time. Pretzel Logic, Steely Dan, mm-hmm. uh, Telephone, uh, an original. Uh, hey, Lord, don't ask me questions. I remember that as a kid. Still sounds great by Graham Parker. Yeah. Uh, we are the vegetables, which uh, I guess we've had a little bit of a snippet of uh, in the encore. And uh, Slip My Disco Again uh, by the, the Tubes. They've come, they must love that one. They've come out and played it again. Was the that one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was sort of the first sort of uh, concert they recorded. And then the second one they go into is uh, they call it uh, Beware the Ides of March, which uh, I guess it was on the 15th of uh, uh, of March, <laughs> which is that sort of Caesar reference to the Ides of March. Open up with a song called Four Boys, uh, again going into Pretzel Logic, again going into Hey Lord, Don't Ask Me Questions. A couple of new ones here, Feeling and Take It. Then they've gone into Learning How to Smile. Oh, sorry, le- le- uh, well, they've called it Learning How to Smile, which uh, yeah. I guess became Learn to Smile. Right. Yeah, so probably it's funny how sometimes tracks uh, evolve names uh, as they yeah. as they go. Uh, shame, Shame, Shame by Jimmy Reed. Wake Up, Telephone and Falling Again, which is obviously, you know, the originals. Again, in this concert, they've got Watching the Detectives, Elvis Costello. Uh, and then this will be into obviously some stuff off the eventual debut album that was recorded yes. six months later with In Vain and On a Bus. 
they've gone into Miss Shapiro again and you really got me. So it's obviously a one-two punch. Uh, Silent Night. Now, I wonder if that's the Bing Crosby, you know, uh, Christmas (laughs) Silent Night version. Uh, A couple of UK favourites for you here, B. Jealous by Robert Palmer and then Gangsters by the the Specials. Yeah. Uh, So you can really sense that scar element there and, I guess they sort of finished this concert with Jumping Doctor, Simple Simon, Wishy Washy, and We Are the Vegetables. So 22 songs right. in this particular sort of concert. Yeah. What a fun lineup at the very end there, though. That would be like, you can imagine them all just going mad, <laughs> dancing. Yeah. I always used to love the fact that NXS would play, you know, 20 plus songs at a gig. And in this case, in the second one here, they played 22. And, you know, I remember going to Hall and Oates concert and they played 13 songs. I'm like, fuck's sake, 13 songs. You know, with a bit of banter, it was like about 80 minutes. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. guys, come on. Can you can you break some sweat? I mean, yeah. you know, like uh, so, you know, in this instance here, you know, there's a really good, you know, mix over these sort of two recordings. Well, so the first one that we mentioned there was the Alley Cat, which more more funky, really funky, really yep. get down 1970s yep. stuff. Really, I mean, cool. I love that tuxedo one. And um, mm. obviously the other one, I like that funky junk, not funky junky. It's an instrumental. <laughs> but then the other mm. one, I must, must admit, I haven't listened to the other one as much because I really, really love the first one. It's really cool. Mm. Mm. Well, what we thought we would do, just for the listeners, we thought, well, yes. you know, for this sort of part of the topic, we might just put a little sort of ensemble of five or six of these little cover songs and put a, a montage together. Um, and the listeners probably will know some of these. We just mentioned them. But uh, let's put a bit of a montage of five or six of these cover songs that they played live together uh, okay. and give uh, our listeners uh, something to enjoy rather than listen to us waffle. Are we going Take to choose away. now which ones or are we just going to play them? <laughs> let's put, uh, we'll put them on and then, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how many we can All slip right, into then. the time Okay, frame. here we go.
Big Final Battles. This one's called Jumping, it'll be on the record as well. Or right, B, well, those uh, those were pretty cool covers there of, uh, I guess, songs that were pretty relevant to that era. Like they were probably only some of them six months to 12 months old, a few of those tracks. Yes, it's fantastic. I really, really super, super excited when I got hold of these. So I'm so glad we can share them with our listeners. So, uh, and a little bit of a hint, you heard some covers. Stick, stick tight with the end of the episode because there may be something unique, never played before, never really heard before by 99.9% of you. Uh, so all we can say is wait to allow our closing uh, exit songs today because you're in for a treat. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, this is David from Derby. Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. Well, that's a wrap, B. Uh, end of episode 51. Uh, we really, it's like we're just getting started, you know, 50 episodes to sort of figure out how, how uh, disorganised and how all over the place we are. Uh, really, today's the start of the new era. <laughs> what are you doing to say? <laughs> I'm talking about myself, I, actually, not you. I was, I was going to say you're 51 now, aren't you? No, that's no. <laughs> oh, wow. You are, nearly, aren't you? I just turned 40. Give me a break. So, right. uh, fan <laughs> engagement. We I, look. We got a very interesting email from a. We couldn't even call him a new listener yet. He's, it's like he's just suddenly opened up, you know, Santa Claus and found 69 podcasts. I know. Of which, of which I guess you can explain to the listeners, we've done 51, but there's these extra downloads, isn't there, sometimes that pop From up. From the on patrons some of the, that pop up as well, yes. Yeah, that's right. So, but anyway, just one of our. in excess and found us. Yeah, and he hasn't listened to a podcast yet, so we can't give him too much kudos, but we would like to say welcome. We hope you enjoy in, when you get to this 51st one. <laughs> um, if you hang in there, you'll get your name mentioned. You've got 51 to go. But a guy called Andrew Lambie from Scotland is a could be up there with Pedro and David as a really in excess collector and hoarder, couldn't he? Mm. Oh, yeah. He has a yeah. massive collection by the sounds of it. He, just, he was very yeah. giving as well. He wants to help. So that's nice. Welcome on board, Andrew. Well, <laughs> now you found us. Correct. We got an email. We, we replied out to him today, say welcome and hope you enjoy the podcast and maybe you can have some involvement with some of the stuff that he has. He might give you a, a hoarding uh, run for your money, B. <laughs> I'm hoarding, yeah. I know. I'm getting yeah. a bit like that. You're just in his room at the moment. But um, tell me a little bit about uh, other fan engagement this week. What's been happening? Well, I'd like to give a mention to everybody who um, watched us live last week. We had a fair few people. I didn't realise there were so many watching us. So I'd just like to mention all of your names, if that's okay. I'd like to give a big mention to Nick Egan. Thank you for your uh, little inputs there. And Val, Craig, Farah, Peter, Yvette, Miriam, Alicia, Faris, Travis, Darren, Chuck, Virginia, Lisa, Vern, Dave, Ben, Enrico, George, Kath, Lisa, Susan, Warren, Louise, uh, Heidi, Anne-Marie, Eric, Laurel, Foxy, John, Tony, Stefan, Shannon, Nadine, Joe, Janine, Danielle, Ali, Paul. How many is that? That was a fair few watching us on the Lots. day. <laughs> That's right. You really narrowed you. down your, your, your appreciation there. Um, but 
Oh, God. So um, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for bearing with us because we did have a few technical problems at the very beginning. And um, I have um, re-edited it now and it's back onto the website page. And um, on the website page, you can go to a page called the YouTube channel and it shows you there all our um, videos. And underneath, I've actually put all the auctions. And today... The auction finished and we have a winner. For was that for we, the first key one of the key ticket items, yeah? It was for our one mate, yeah, the the, the the big one. We although we do have two of these and it's very exciting that you went for quite a lot of money. My goodness. Mm. Um so thank you so much. You are going to help us out. I don't want to say your name just in case you don't want to say your us your name, but to the winner, ah, I hope you'll get. Anyway. Okay, well, congratulations to Jim O'Sullivan, and I've been in touch with um, Tim, and he's going to personally sign it for you. A little note there. So, congratulations on winning the elegantly wasted tour brochure. What a rarity to have that! And mm. um, I guess yeah, it comes from the treasure trove from Tim directly to Steve, uh, and uh, you know, a very rare item because uh, that tour didn't go ahead in Australia for obvious reasons, and. And nice. uh, very few of these are around. And I think even Pedro today uh, online was quite endorsing of the uniqueness of it. So if it's unique to Pedro, it is unique to the world. Yeah, it's a bit of a unique episode, isn't it? And uh, and at the moment, we've got a live bid happening with Nick Egan's poster. So if you yep. want something else that's unique, that is just a stunning piece of um, art to have on yep. your wall. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, my kids tried to destroy it the other week by playing around with it and, uh, yeah, so look, it's, it's it's more important than you kids. So, listen, you better tread carefully here. Literally. Very, very. Uh, um, <laughs> so we've yeah, just so decided, I, yeah, yeah we, we've just decided, Hayden and I, that we're going to be releasing one item a week from this, what we call, we call our loot <laughs> from Andrew mm. and um, Tim. So if you go onto the website, you'll be able to see the auctions as they come on through there. Yeah, so look, I think we didn't want to flood the mail with so many different things, and everyone's no. all, you know uh, got you know different desires and tastes, and there might be some things that you really love and go, wow, I'd really love to own that, I'd love to have that, uh, and we can focus on one really cool item at a time, you know, which um, mm. um, you know the proceeds just go into this podcast and goes into making sort of what we do uh, hopefully worthwhile and and and. Um, you know, produce to the best of the abilities that we can. So, uh, thank you, Steve, and look forward to the next uh, auction, B. Auction. <laughs> yeah, as you say. But um, there is something we would like to share is uh, I have alluded to, uh, I think last week, B, that there is a very risky episode coming up, episode 52, and I have alluded to you about how risky this is. This is this could blow up the fan base. Uh, this oh, could no. blow up the audience. So this, 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 this episode Have you got another producer to, for that one? <laughs> well... Look, it's it might be unproducible. This is how controversial this episode could be. Uh, we're going to do something. Really on, we're going to do something on this episode we've never done before. Oh. Um, and even in our blurb this week, we're going to still be relatively cryptic about it. You're going to have to listen in to check it out. So there will be some hints. It'll be like that movie where. I don't know, there'll be some really cryptic sort of single scene and you'll just want you waiting. It'll I'll have you wanting more. We'll either then disappoint you when you check in and listen or you go, wow, that was cool. I uh, can't wait till we do another one of those again. So 
Yeah, I'm uh, hang on a minute. Are you going to tell 52? me what we're going to do? What, 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 are you going to well, tell you me? Don't when know. We, I don't. I don't yeah. know what you're going on no. about. I know. So you're going, this is this uh, is top secret. So you just get like we're just going to record next week, and you're just going to tell me there and then. I don't have to get anything ready. Yeah, you're going to have to have access to the Inexcess catalogue. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all 373,000 songs. But uh, outside that, that's about all I can tell you. Well, I'll have to get friendly with Andrew. Uh, what's his name? The new the new fellow yeah. from Scotland, Peter. Uh, Andrew. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all right. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, close out for the week. This is the point where we sometimes do a tribute song, sometimes we do a cover song. Well, we're going to do something really, really cool today. Uh, we hinted earlier, obviously, we played a few covers off these uh, two live albums that were recorded in the early uh, reaches of 1979. Well, you know, we've unearthed some tracks on here uh, that the fair portion of the NXS fan base out there would have never heard. Uh, and what we're alluding to is that these two live albums were recorded before NXS's first albums were released. And like a lot of bands do, they might have 20, 30, 35 songs in their arsenal, and then when they go into the studio, they record 10 or 11 of them. Uh, what we're going to do today is just share with you some live versions of uh, five songs that you may not have heard before. You may have YouTube stuff. You may have had access to people with downloads or whatever, but uh, the rank and file fan out there probably may, will have never heard these songs before. These are tracks that didn't make the first InXS album. That doesn't make them any less enviable. Um, there are plenty of great songs that didn't make it onto an album. Uh, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields never really appeared on a Beatles album. Uh, they were filler songs in between albums, although they were more than filler songs, as we would agree. Mm, agree. That being said, I'm not saying any of these songs are Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields at all. Uh, but um, <laughs> they are. If they've been they produced, could, you, never you never know. You never know. But, but you know, in excess, we've always said their depth of material and uh, the tracks that never made albums were often fantastic B-sides or fantastic, you know, soundtrack additional songs and things. And uh, what we're going to do is just play to you a little montage for the next three to four minutes on the exit of the show of uh, five songs uh, out of these two albums of some rare stuff that you haven't heard before. And next week we will come back and tell you the names of these songs. But we'd rather you listen, listen to the lyrics, listen to the tunes, the melodies and things like that. And we will uh, break down what the names of these songs are on next week's show. But other than that, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone.
song. You can dance to it. <laughs> 